Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star Sports Podcast. It's Wednesday, June 7th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We're talking Royals today with beat writer Jalen Thompson and reporter Pete Gradhoff. And we don't begin by talking lineups or rotation or the bullpen. Our entry topic is defense and how that's been letting down the Royals in recent games. No better example than Tuesday's loss to the Marlins when a couple of poor decisions cost the Royals. We also hit on some bright spots in the pitching with the starters and the bullpen. So let's get started talking Royals with Pete and Jalen. Hey Pete, how what was your first year at the Star? 1997, right before the new year. Wow, okay, 97. And uh, between you, your years at the Star and mine, um, I think we're either just that or maybe a little over 60 years combined of uh, sports coverage at the Star. And the reason I bring that up is we have seen a lot of bad Royals baseball. <laughs> so I'm just afraid and I'm concerned that uh, we might uh, jade Jalen a little bit with, uh, you know, every time we come to a Royals conversation, it's usually uh, one of these. Uh, it, our, our former Royals beat writer, Lynn Worthy, used to catch me sighing a lot on, on Royals podcasts. So I just want Jalen, I would just want you to know that um, we we don't want to bring you down with uh, you know with our discussion of Royals baseball. We, you need to bring the juice sometimes. But after a game like the one on Tuesday night, it's hard to sound an encouraging note about the Royals. Um, that was a just a terrible inning and wasted a nice <laughs> performance by by Zach Greinke. There's a lot to talk about, but why don't we start there, Jalen? What did you see in that? That inning was it the fifth that blew up in the Royals' faces, and it was it wasn't the pitching that did it. Not all the pitching, anyway. A lot of bad yeah. things there. I I feel like for the most part, um, the Royals really struggle and with trying to create more um, opportunities for themselves. One thing that I saw was very concerning to me was just their lack of fielding and defense. Um, that's the one thing they have to clean up. We're looking at guys like MJ Melendez, ball gets over his head. He kind of took a bad track to the ball. And granted, he's a catcher that's playing right field, but he's been out there for over 50 games now. He has to be able to make that play. Same with Drew Waters. And I actually talked with world's manager, Matt Quattrero, about this. Um, the ball were in the first, in game one where it, he didn't catch it and it seemed like he kind of alligator armed it. That's something where he called Melendez off at the very last minute. And you can't do that if you're a center fielder. You have to make it known and assert yourself that this is my baseball in the outfield. Th- those kind of plays are things that you just cannot make. And 
Contrero actually said it. He said, you have to make those plays 100% of the time at this level. And the last thing I want to point out, too, going back to that fifth inning, Bobby Wood Jr., he had a couple of errors in the last series. And in this series, he makes an ill-advised play with bases loaded and no one out. I mean, third and second with nobody, I'm sorry, where he goes and tries to throw it back to third and he can't. they can't get the runner at first. You can't do that. That runner is not going to go on contact with no outs. So you make the throw, you're looking back, throw the first base, that's one out. You could have saved that Grinky there from really getting some unnecessary runs. And if you really want to put it into perspective, he gave up five runs, but only one was earned yesterday. Yeah, that, if I may, that, that play, if they get that out, the bases loaded double over Melendez's head doesn't happen because that came with two outs. Yeah. We give up a lot of runs with two outs, it seems like. And Blair, I just took a quick look at the uh, Fielding Bibles team stats uh, for defensive runs saved. Guess who's tied for dead last? It's the Royals, negative 23 runs saved. With They're tied with the A's and the Nationals. And the second to worst defensive player in baseball is Melendez. And they've got three guys in the bottom 11, including Edward Alvarez, who, I mean, talk about deep size. Oh, man, he's a born DH. I don't know, the poor guy. He can hit, it seems like, but they just make too many defensive mistakes. Yeah, the Oliveris play that you're referring to, he he had the fit, he was charged with the the error last night uh, because runners advanced on you know on his bobble. But the the, the extremely sad part about the Oliveris play is he started out doing the right thing. He got down on a knee to field a grounder in the outfield, you know that's the top of the long. So he's doing exactly what you're taught to do. That way, if the ball takes a bad hop or someone just bounces off of you, but then. He has trouble picking it up with his glove, trouble picking it up with his hand, and then tries to compensate by, you know, an ill-advised throw to third that that doesn't reach the the, the mark and runners advance, and so that was, uh, you know, that that was a bad play. The as Jalen mentioned, the the Melendez bad track to the ball that cleared the bases on the double, another bad play. But the the one that. The one that has me rolling my eyes and sighing the loudest was the Bobby Witt decision. You know, mm-hmm. no error, right? There's no error. On yeah. the play. It goes in the books as a fielder's choice. But gosh darn, you know, he uh, just the idea that he thought with the infield in uh, to to field a ground ball and flip it to third to catch a base runner, I guess possibly napping and not even coming close to the out when they gave him an out at first base. You know, J- <clears throat> Jalen, I thought – you know, Matt Quattrero was asked, obviously, about it after the game, and he didn't throw – you know, as a manager, never does. They don't throw anybody under the bus. But yeah. he did refer to it as, you know, when they give you an out, you got to take the out. He was, mm-hmm. you know, pointing his finger at that play and, you know, being, I guess, as critical in a, you know, carefully guarded language situation as, as a manager mm-hmm. can be. Didn't you get that sense? I did. And knowing uh, Quattrero – He's one of those guys where he's going to be transparent with you, but he's always going to protect his, his players. And yesterday I kind of got a sense of while he, he did exactly that, there was a little tinge of maybe frustration because um, you can hear it in his quotes where he said, you got to make the out, you got to take the out. Um, at, at this point in time, you can say they're young, you can say they're learning, but that's little league stuff that they are not, um, making the correct plays and executing. Um, you have to know time and score. And 
also another thing that was left off of that was you had Larice Luis Arise coming up to bat. He's hitting 401 now. You have to get any out that you can before you face someone like that. So now you have a bases love situation with the best hitter in baseball, says Chipper Jones. It's come on. What is going on right now? Like he has they have to uh make that play. Chipper Jones, what? He yeah, he hit 400. Okay. Now I'm yeah, just something. Jalen, play in the Braves card. Always. always. <laughs> I and, and Quatrero also just he mentioned focus, right? You, you just have to be focused. And um, and to me, for what that means defensively is what am I going to do when the ball comes to me, right? Mm-hmm. Knowing in advance what you're going to do when the ball's hit to you. And I can't believe Bobby Witt had decided before the ball was hit to him that he might have an out at third playing where he was. But Mm-hmm. was Pete I want to go back to what what you meant you brought up the stats those those are so troubling because there was an expectation that because as Jalen mentioned this is a young team that they're going to have some struggles and they're going to have you know wide swings of success and failure and pitching still a work in progress maybe get the defense right that that to me is like the the, the fundamentals of baseball get the defense right and so far that just hasn't happened for these guys not at all. They, they and that is disappointing, as you as you guys have said. That the one thing you can really control is your defense. You know, you can't necessarily control hitting or pitching, but defense you can. And, and if you're giving away outs and you're not pitching well, that's a recipe for disaster. And it seems like the Royals this year, maybe you know, we've seen it in the past, as you mentioned, Blair. You get to that situation where things can either you can either put out the fire or it'll snowball on you. And when they're at, in a position to put it out themselves defensively, they don't get it done. And other teams get a lot of two-out hits. And then on offense, boy, they load the bases with two outs and they can't seem to get the big hit. It's just, it's it's the mark of a team that's not good. Yeah. Uh, and how many times have we said that uh, on, on, on this podcast? Since it became a daily endeavor like four years ago. And <laughs> in that time, a lot of bad Royals baseball, uh, and that we that we have to talk about. Um, how much of it can be attributed to? Let's stay on the defense just for a little while longer. Uh, the idea of the positionless player, right? That that seems to be a popular a, a popular thought in, in in baseball. You just get the the best athletes, and and then you 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 put them you put them wherever their hole is in the you know on on, on the diamond. We talked about Melendez, who grew up a catcher playing right field. Uh, Nick Prado, first baseman, is playing left field some. You know, um, uh, Gar- Garcia is at third base. He's probably more of a natural shortstop. So the Royals do have these players that are uh, not playing the position they, they may grown up uh, learning. Jalen, you, you think that's mm. a, that could be an issue here and something that uh, that probably deserves a little more attention? I think so. Um, when I look at the Royals roster, they've said that they want to see the development of all their younger players. So it kind of runs counterintuitive to, you know, the idea of having a traditional roster where players are playing their traditional positions. Because at this point in time, they want to see Nick Prado and Vinny Pasquantino and Michael Garcia and 
Bobby Wood Jr. all in the lineup at the same time, MJ Melendez all in the lineup at the same time. Well, to do that, you have they all play similar positions. So you have to put them in probably a place where they're not comfortable playing and instead of a traditionally strong defensive unit. Because if it was up to me, I would try to maybe use Jackie Bradley Jr. at some point in either right field and have Drew Wires in center, and then you can kind of have better defenders out there. But to do that, you're taking a young player off the field, and they had been very consistent in saying they want to give it back to the younger players because that's going to help them grow and develop. Yeah, Pete, we're still in the growth and development stage of this team, so I guess you have to put up with uh, with, with the mistakes on a larger scale than a team that's that has a better record than than the Royals. You just have to uh, live with the, these, you know, Melendez taking the wrong track to a you know to a bases loaded two out situation, or Bobby Wood doing a you know making a a really bad decision on on the flip to third and. So that's that's just where we are with with the Royals, um, and but it's it's funny. So just in last night's example, uh, you get a good game from Grinky, and he's pitching well, and he's God, he's pitched well, better than I expected throughout the year. He's given him a good season. He just came off the Royals Pitcher of the Month for May, and had you know was among the American League leaders in several categories. We saw on the um, you know on, on the chart on television last night. But um, but they can't get runs for him. They play bad defense for him, and um, and he does not. But I think he's one in five now, or one in six, something like that, with a record. And his ERA is, is decent for in, in the low fours. So anyway, well, that's just my rant. Let's let's do this, guys. Let's take a break, and when we come back, I want to talk a little more pitching with you. Some, believe it or not, encouraging signs for the Royals. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back on Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Stars daily sports podcast. And we're talking Royals with beat writer Jalen Thompson and reporter Pete Gradhoff. Royals coming off a uh, – they've lost two in a row on this road trip. Uh, they're at Miami uh, through the three-game series. They go to Baltimore from here and before returning home. I want to say the record is 18-41, and 41, but I kind of lost track. Is that right, Jalen? 18-43. Like I said, eighteen and forty-three. Uh, what's a couple of losses? Um, <laughs> it was eighteen and forty-one when they went on the road trip. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so let, let's go with that. Um, th- there are some moments of pitching that uh, that are worth praising here, mm-hmm. and let's start with Brady Singer. Uh, okay. What, what a nice outing for him on Sunday uh, against the the Colorado Rockies. Called once again to end a lose a little bit of a losing skid. Uh, Royal had lost the first two games to the Rockies in that series, and he comes out and in a pitcher's duel. You know when the pitcher when the Royals pitchers throw well, it's a pitcher's duel um, because they're, they're always getting pitched well against. <laughs> but but he comes out and throws what five and two thirds shutout innings, and and the real to me the impressive thing was about that is 
he had a like had a rain delay in his uh, in his outing and came back and um, and, and picked you know got a couple outs after the rain delay as well. So what did uh, Jalen? What did what did Brady Singer say about his start and why is it so encouraging? Yeah, I think for Brady it was encouraging because he said that he he had all his pitches working and he felt really sharp and that's something that he contributed to just being more consistent in his uh, delivery and attacking hitters and really just trying to set up the next batter in the next situation. If you go back and look at his start, he he really was on the offensive. He was attacking hitters and it made things more uh, efficient and easier for him to navigate uh, a, a, a pretty much a tough lineup. So it's good to see Brady being on track. And, you know, I talked with world's coach, pitching coach, Brian Sweeney, and he says the same thing. Um, he was like, they're really happy with where Brady is at, and he's getting back to form. Like, we all know pitching in the World Baseball Classic, it can, it's a good thing to represent your country, but it also can kind of stunt your um, spree training and your offseason um, buildup because you have to jump in the game so quickly. So I think Brady kind of experienced a little bit of that, but now he's coming and settling into form. And I think that's going to be good for the Royals moving forward because they need somebody to, to step up with Zach Greinke to give them some consistent starts. Now, I agree. His last five starts, he's got a, a 3.42 ERA. And this last start, he didn't walk anybody, which had kind of been a bugaboo for him this month or in the month of May. Another encouraging sign. And like Jalen said, the World Baseball Classic, the Royals have kind of, you know, pushed it aside. But he didn't pitch much. So he lost basically weeks of development and spring training building up. And, and this is the Brady Singer Sunday's game or his last game was the Brady Singer we'd seen last season when he was looked like, hey, we've got it. The Royals have got a breakout star here. Um, and Blair, as you noticed, noted, um, he overcame that rain delay. And we all know how much Brady hates the rain. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. Mindful of now the, the rain delay was only what, like 15 or 16 minutes. Mm -hmm. Such an, I was out there. I was out there sitting in the stands on Sunday. It was such an odd rain delay, right? Sunny for five innings. And then all of a sudden a bucket of you know, buckets of water poured over the stadium mm -hmm. from the tarp out. Um, but nothing, nothing like the Wade Davis rain delay heroics of game six of the 2015 ALCS against the Blue yeah. when, when Wade Davis came back to pitch after a long rain delay and, and finished up the, uh, the the game for the Royals and pitched them into the, the World Series that year. Um, Pete, let me ask you this. Um, I am of the opinion that if you had to pick the, the top three Royals players, current Royals players on the roster that you want to protect, because we're going to talk about you know, possible possible trades here in a moment, but maybe the top three untradeable players for the Royals right now that you you most likely would not see in any kind of deal. I think Brady Singer is number one on my list, um, just because the, the the currency of baseball is pitching, as the cliche says, and um, and he has still to me the most upside of any of the young pitchers on this team. How about your top? I'll give you my other two. I think. I would put Daniel Lynch on that list as well, as and along with uh, with Bobby Witt Jr. But how about you, Pete? Well, yeah, I think Brady Singer definitely would put him up there, and Bobby Witt Jr. too, because you know it's only his second year and it's June, 
hopefully he can turn around. He had a pretty good rookie year last year. Yep. And outside of yesterday's big gaffe, his defense has been markedly improved this year. You know, that's interesting. You put Lynch there. I, I guess I would put Pasquantino there, even though he's slumping. I like, I like his batter's eye. He seems to be the only guy I have the most confidence about drawing a walk. Um, so that would probably be my top three. Okay. Jalen, I won't ask you that. I mean, you, you cover the team a little bit more, uh, but you've got a great, you certainly do have a great feel for this. Um, and I wanted to ask you about mm-hmm. uh, Scott Barlow. And mm-hmm. uh, you wrote about it on, uh, was it Sunday he got saved number 50? Yeah. Career saved number 50. That makes him tied for eighth on the Royals career list. If he, if he's in a Royals uniform long enough and, and gets nine more saves, he'll move up to fifth on the list. Mm-hmm. Um, no, he is after, after a little bit of a rough start this year, he he's been very good for the Royals. Mm-hmm. And what was his reaction? First of all, to, to reaching that milestone. When he was going through it and actually got it, he didn't know initially that it was his 50th, but he said that it was very, um, he was very excited to, to get it. And, it was cool too because the Royals have their father's uh, weekend and father's trip this on this on this road trip and um he had his father-in-law there to actually see him um, get the honor so it was cool to share that moment with him and I talked to both of them and they were super excited about it I think for Barlow if you might remember this um, Blair and Pete but. His first save was was when he there was the infamous scuffle between the the White Sox and the Royals where Brad Keller went at Tim Anderson and it was like a whole different like brouhaha. Yeah. Um, but that tenth inning game, Barlow got his first save, so it was cool to see like him progress. And he said something very unique that I I added in the story, but I want to say here too. He said that his perspective changed when he learned to accept the failures that came with being a closer. So he recalled a time where he gave up a home run to Jay Bruce. And it was like, that kind of stuck with him a little bit. But he also realized that, hey, I'm going to make mistakes, but I can come back and I can be better tomorrow. So once he kind of matured and he accepted that role in his job, he's been the consistent guy that, you know, is never gets too high, never gets too low, the calm demeanor. And every one of his teammates says that about him. So I think that was just cool he shared that moment because – you don't really you 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 kind of see players and how they are as in their demeanor, but to hear him say how he got to that point was really cool to add. You know, he he's a go-to guy in the clubhouse, one of the mm-hmm. you know, one of the most approachable guys on, on the team, and um, he he um, uh, he's he's adjusted a little bit to a loss of velocity with it on his fastball. Mm-hmm. He's he he's made the adjustment. He he is and having another uh, another really nice season. There was you know some wonderment in the in, in spring training with with Aroldis Chapman, who would be the closer. Uh, Barlow has kept the job, but Chapman's the setup guy, usually in the eighth inning. So yeah, uh, but they're also Chapman and Barlow, the first two names you hear in any conversation about trade bait. Mm-hmm. For the Royals and Jalen, I know you've had a you've had conversations with JJ Piccolo mm-hmm. on this topic. Uh, what can you tell us? What's what do you think the likelihood of the Royals bidding farewell to one or both of those players? And am I right in yeah. thinking that they're top of the list in terms of uh, trade bait? I think so. Um, 
it's no secret the Royals are open and they are willing to make any deal. Pretty much every team is basically that um, like that around this time when the trade deadline comes around. Um, a lot of teams always say they don't know who they are until June comes. And now that we're in June, teams are kind of figuring out if they have a chance to stay in a race or are they falling out of it. I think the Royals kind of know where they are on the spectrum, even though the standings may say otherwise um, in the in the week in AL Central. But um, I think for Barlow and Chapman, it's going to come down to do the Royals feel like they can get significant value for those guys. Um, certainly Chapman, because of his name value and a team that is in a pennant chase will like to have his electric fastball on their roster. So I feel like he might be someone that could be moved. Same with, and actually Barlow as well, too, because he's been pitching well and you can never have enough closers. He could either go and solve a, clo- a closers role for some team or be a high value setup man. So I think those two, because of their age and where they are and the timeline of this world's team, it makes sense to kind of offload that salary and pick up some good prospects that are either close to being MLB ready or can be developed um, in a way that the world's needed. Because to be honest with you, the Royals have a lot of position players. They need pitching. And the pitching has been the bugaboo for them, I believe, since the last couple of years, just on based on what I was reading from what we do at the great Kansas City Star. Um, <laughs> so I think those two are some guys that could be moved. I got one more name that may be interesting. Um, maybe someone like a Jose Quas. Um, you don't really hear a lot about him, but he can fill a lot of roles as a middle relief or can be a setup, a setup man as well. So maybe a team might value that and they might throw a, a prospect too for him. Blair, I'll, I'll just say as upset as fans are with this team right now, if on August 2nd, Chapman's on the Royals roster, the people are going to be pretty mad. I mean, I, I know he's just on a one-year deal and you won't get as much value as maybe the fans would think you would, but they absolutely need to trade him for something, I think. And Barlow might have a little more value because he's under club control through next year. Um, so you might be able to get a little bit back more for him from a team that would know they would have him for through 2024. Um, but yeah, I, they've got to make a trade. Jalen wisely pointed out, you don't really know your team till June. Well, I think most people knew about this team by the end of April, unfortunately. Sadly. Yep. 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 Yeah. I'll tell you what, it's a topic that we'll explore uh, probably every other conversation that we have until, until it finally happens because when you're the Royals and you have the second worst record in baseball, thank you, Oakland A's, um, that it's, um, you know, what you're going to, we started talking about next year, several weeks ago um, and in the future of the Royals. So can I say this player though? Sure. Yeah. The, the A's have been playing well of late. So beat the pirates, beat the uh, division leading pirates last night. Yeah, that that might change in a couple of weeks based on how the two teams are playing. Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. no. Oh, Oakland did take two out of three in Kansas City earlier this year, too. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's got to be the only team which against which they have a winning record. Um, uh, I think and, and I think the topic for us in our in our next uh, podcast will be what does value look like for the Royals in these trades? What um, are we talking about major league ready players? Are we talking about just young prospects? What should the Royals be looking at to build this team for 24, 25, 26? I think that's really interesting. And 
And I think there's a couple of ways the Royals could go. I don't think history has been kind to the Royals in terms of returns on trades. Uh, that's something we should um, we should talk about as well. But guys, this has been a terrific conversation as always. Follow Jalen Thompson. Uh, nobody covers the Royals better than he does. Nobody covers everything better than Pete Gradhoff um, in the Kansas City Star on KansasCity.com. Guys, we will do it again soon. Thanks a lot. That'll do it for today. Thanks to Monty Davis for producing the show and to our Sportsbeat KC staff of Randy Mason, Jeff Rosen, and Scott Chasen. Tip of the cap to Jalen Thompson and Pete Gradhoff for sharing their insights. I read all about the Royals, the golf controversy with the PGA and Live Tours merger, NBA and Stanley Cup finals, French Open tennis, and so much more in today's morning sports edition produced by The Star. Check it out at liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC, where we talk sports in Kansas City every day.